Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. My bride, Mary Danielle, is filling in for Jess today. He'll be back tomorrow. And Mary Danielle, thank you for taking the time to be here on this hour of power of the Terry and Jesse Show. You're welcome. Thank oh, you. Yes, I'm so happy. And today we've got so many good topics. Uh, the big topic for the day is how uh, we're going to talk about an exorcist diary, Satan's witness to the power of prayer to end abortion. Wow, that'll knock you off your horse. And then we're going to shift gears into America's deadly weekend. We all heard about all the mass shootings, but they're talking about it's raising the stakes for the Senate to talk about this. What about uh, talk about the unborn? That's where all this is coming from. Violence on the unborn is violence on the out outborn. In other words, people who come out and they live, if we have no sacredness of life inside the mother's womb, there's nobody safe. Also, I want to just bring up Again, the statistics now, after two years of this so-called COVID pandemic, <laughs> I mean, Mary, suicide doubled during the Canadians' COVID lockdown. We're going to talk about that. And also the 1.3 million injuries reported um, through the VARES data release. Mm -hmm. And then I got good news stories and much more. We'll talk about that uh, and just so much. But before we do any of that, Mary, as you he know, when Jesse's here, we talk about some soul food so I'd like to read the gospel. And Mary Danielle, just for those who don't know, she has a master's in biblical studies from John Paul II, the great university in San Diego. She also carries the Bible with the Barber Show on Fridays on VMPR, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. So I got to take that uh, if you like, you have a good Bible study. Uh, if you can't come on Tuesdays at 7 p.m., you can at least listen on the Internet on vmpr.org Bible with the Barbers. So here's our reading for today's Mass. Short reading from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen to that. And that gospel is just, you know, it's the, what do you call? <laughs> the call to evangelization. This is, this is Christ's call to us to evangelize. And it's not just so much that we have to be, um, it, this is part and parcel of us being Christians. Mm -hmm. All of us are to be evangelists. That doesn't mean all of us are, in terms of all of us are supposed to, to live the faith and be able, others are supposed to be able to see by the life that we live, that we are Christian, that we're different, that we follow Christ and be attracted to that because it gives joy and purpose and meaning to our life. Um, it's all part of being Christian. We have to strive for personal sanctification, but it's not just about me and Jesus, me and Jesus. I'm part of the body of Christ. And just like you know, I, I can't, Paul used the analogy of the body to describe the life of Christians. He said, my hand can't say, you know, the, the, the head can't say to my hand, I don't need you, be gone with you, be off with you, you know, or, or no, 
all the parts of the body are necessary for the body's functioning properly. And so we all have to be, first of all, committed to allowing the Lord to sanctify us. But then we also have to be concerned about our brothers and sisters. Okay, what does salt do? Salt isn't for itself, never for itself. You don't just take salt and eat it. You know, unless unless you're dying of thirst and you're out in the woods and you need to have a salt lick like the animals so that they'll retain water when they drink the water because they have such little water. But salt preserves food from corruption, right? They, in the old days, like Monsignor said in, to mass, at Mass this morning, you know, they didn't have refrigeration and, and freezers. They had to put salt in the food. It preserves it. It not only preserves it. Remember, when you get a wound and you soak it in salt, why? Because the salt has the capacity to kill germs, so it preserves the food by killing germs also. And it also brings out the flavor of things. Amen. There was a, there was a, um, a fairy tale, like, you know, what do you call it? One of these fairy tales that, and it was this, this, the daughters, this man had three daughters and one of his daughters, they all said, how do you love me? And, and they all saying these flowering things. And then his youngest daughter said, I love you like meat loves salt. Mm-hmm. And the father thought his daughter was making fun of him. So she, he kicks her out of the house. Eventually what happens is she becomes a princess and she's going to marry the king. And so she invites her father to the wedding and he doesn't know who it is, but she gave an order. None of the meat is to be salted. And when her father starts to eat the wedding banquet and he tastes the meat without salt, Mm -hmm. he begins to weep. And then his daughter comes and she reveals who she is. And she says, I didn't hold this against you and I'm fine and whatever. But the point is the salt brings out flavor. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to just be um, hiding out and be afraid of the world or say whatever the world does is fine. That doesn't affect me. You know, no, we're supposed to be the salt that brings flavor and, and, and life to the world and also light. We're supposed to be the light of the world. So we're supposed to show Christ forth. We're not supposed to hide him under a bushel basket. Right. We're supposed to show him forth and we're supposed to evangelize by our life. Salt is good. Yeah, it's good. It's a useful thing. But what if it loses its flavor? Well, then it's good for nothing but to be thrown out on the land or the manure heat, to be trampled underfoot. So we don't want to lose our taste. We have to have good works. We have to have charity. We have to show Christ to those around us so that they will know. And St. Tres of Luzu writes this beautifully, that true charity consists in bearing the faults of those about us, never being surprised at their weakness, but edified at the least sign of virtue. I see above all that charity must not remain hidden in the bottom of our hearts, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bush, but put it on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. It seems to me that this lamp is the symbol of charity. It must shine out, not only to cheer up those we love best, but all in the house. We have to let the light of Christ shine. If we're true Christians, it's not that Christians aren't different. They're just forgiven. No, Christians are different because they are forgiven and their charity and their love and their willingness to forgive. And we have to allow this to shine for others so that others can be drawn to Christ. We are members of his body, members of the mystical body. And of course, we know that Christ has gathered us around himself 
especially in the Holy Eucharist. As Catholics, we have this great sacrament that we, we know that Christ himself established, that he not only lived among us 2,000 years ago, but he remains with us in the Eucharist under the appearance of bread and wine. The real body, blood, soul, and divinity, our risen, glorified, ascended Lord is here with us now. God is with us. And we gather around him, and it is he who gives us the power to shine forth his life and to be salt, to give flavor to the world. Well said. And what am I holding? Bless salt in my right hand. There you go. And at the end of the show, Mary, we get to talk about the value of blessed salt and awesome. what's it all when to use it. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. And again, you can hear Mary on the Bible with the Barbers after the Terry and Jesse show every Friday. Well, let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. He's got one of my favorite saints with him, St. Teresa of Avila. And Mary, when I shared this with you, I know you and I both were at the breakfast nook talking, and we thought, well, this was powerful. And Bishop Sheen has the little the Saint Therese of the little flower of um, Avila with her, with him. And um, here's what he has to say about friendship with Jesus, mm. growing in freedom. She says, "Live in His presence, talk to Him, ask Him for the things you we need." Tell him about the things that are making us suffer. Share our joys with him instead of letting them drive him from our thoughts. Boy, what a great point that is. Yeah. This is an excellent way of making a very rapid progress in the spiritual life. And, you know, Mary, that's what we here have, what we're trying to do here at Virgin Most Powerful is help people build a relationship with Christ so that they can spend all eternity in heaven. Mary, I have just another minute before we break, but I have a good news story, and then we'll get to other topics. The Air Force cadets, many of them are refusing the COVID shots and remaining faithful to their religious convictions. Well, Praise God. My brother was at the Air Force Academy in the 1960s, late 60s, so I know how rigid. But this article from LifeSite News, I think, is inspirational, so people can check it out. Um, it's, it's about three pages long, but it basically just says these men are standing up to their religious faculties. And we have another good news story about a baseball team. When I come back from the break, I'll give you that. And even another story, I'll just give this one. The governor of Florida, man, Florida is looking better all the time. <laughs> uh, DeSantis says uh, that he's putting a ban on Medicare coverage for experimental transsurgery drugs. He's saying, no, this is wrong. And he, this article points out that this healthcare administration is determined Florida's 36 billion Medicare program should not include coverage for so-called gender transition drugs. And it points out the bad things that happen to these young people yeah, who really they bad. have this surgery, the uh, the um, all kinds of horrible things, even suicide because yeah. they get so mixed up. Yeah. And that's a good news story that the governor's doing. And then there's a baseball team in Florida. Another Florida story. <laughs> Wait to hear this one. Who's standing up for their religious values. Stay with us. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And again, we are too blessed to be stressed. We are too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. 
To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. <laughs> Not Jesse, it's uh, Terry and Mary. My bride is filling in for Jess. Mary Danielle does the Bible with the Barbers on Fridays here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You might want to check us out every Friday after the Terry and Jesse show on vmpr.org. All right, five Tampa Bay pitchers uh, pitchers declined to wear the rainbow theme insignia on their hats and jersey during so-called a Pride Night celebration on Saturday, citing their Christian faith as the reason they didn't do it. I wish more Catholics would do something like that. They just said that um, we don't buy in people, you know, having sex outside of marriage. That's another thing that we're against. And we're not, if you were going to have a night like that for, uh, to promote fornication or adultery, uh, we wouldn't support that either. Right. So I thought that that was a good point. They've just made it broader than the homosexual uh, right. question. It's all, we live moral lives. We, we want to support that. So that was good news. Mary Danielle, this is our lead story for the show. Um, and that is this prayer. It's a diary from an exorcist talking about Satan witnesses to the power of prayer to end abortion. I thought this was very insightful. Could you share that story with us, please? Yes. Um, a local exorcist received an urgent call from a convent. That morning, the sisters woke up and went down to their chapel. They found their wood tabernacle upside down oh, on no. the floor and the Eucharist, still in its monstrance, standing upright next to it. The sisters were spooked. The doors of the convent had been securely locked the night before and were still solidly locked in the morning. Moreover, the handful of sisters, all strong in their faith, were not awakened to any sounds throughout the night. The tabernacle had been bolted to the table, and its base was now split in two. Wow. The split base of the tabernacle and to, excuse me, to split the base of the tabernacle and take it off the table could not have been done quietly. It would have required it being forcibly yanked oh boy. from its base. In short, what occurred was not humanly possible. Mm. It would, re um, on several accounts, as the exorcist quickly surmised, if the attack was demonic and all the signs pointed to this, why did the demon attack that convent? Mm -hmm. The sisters live a short distance from their state capital and not far from an abortion clinic. Ouch. They were a quiet, contemplative presence and clearly pro-life, participating in local pro-life events. In the wake of the potential overturning of Roe versus Wade, there have lately been a number of abortion advocates in front of the Capitol protesting. Are such de demonstrations an opening to the demonic? Satan choosing to harass these sisters in such an obvious way tells us several things. One, the possibility of Roe versus Wade being overturned is a huge threat to Satan's Amen. dark kingdom. Mm -hmm. He uncharacteristically broke out of hiding to visibly threaten the sisters. He must be desperate. Amen. The evil one, too, the evil one recognizes the power of the sister's prayer and witness 
and believes it is essential to stop them in order to accomplish his goals. Perhaps it is such prayer as much as anything that is turning the tide. And three, while God allowed the Satan to break their tabernacle, he did not allow Satan to touch or desecrate the Eucharist. Great point. It remained intact and upright in the monstrance. Jesus Christ is Lord. The exorcists first cleansed their chapel and house using the Leo XIII deliverance prayers found in the ritual for exorcists. Then he said to them, these are just demonic antics. Don't let them frighten you. That is Satan's goal, to frighten you into backing off. Rather, it suggests that whatever you're doing is spiritually important and you ought to do more of it. Satan's harassment is a confirmation of you and the importance of your life of prayer. Everything Satan does, much to dismay, much to his dismay and rage, witnesses to the truth and redounds to his own destruction. For the kingdom of God to triumph, it only takes a few faithful hearts dedicated to prayer and united in our Eucharistic Lord. Wow. That's a powerful story, Mary. And my big point is that's the value of all of us praying for the end of abortion. Amen. I mean, for years we've been praying for this. We've prayed at abortion clinics. Everybody's actions like a blank check. If we just keep putting it into Jesus, give it all to Jesus, Amen. these prayers are being answered. You know, I noticed one thing in your story there uh, that is fascinating. You know, the devil does everything the opposite. Yeah. And, and that, was, that was the indication right there, putting that tabernacle upside, upside down. down. And uh, it's just amazing to me that this battle is coming to an end. And again, um, we won't know, but sometime this month, probably next, next Monday or the following Monday, we'll have an answer from the Supreme Court. But uh, that story is, is really revealing of how the spiritual warfare that's going on in the world— I mean, we look about, well, we got to vote. Well, we voted for our, our like, right. I see you're voting. We, I went with you and we voted. voted. Yeah, you voted. <laughs> and we should do that. But more importantly than voting is pray. our spiritual prayers for the kingdom of God and for the kingship of Christ. Right. And this is, we have to remember, this is a spiritual battle. As it said in the article, mm-hmm. the possibility of Roe v. Wade being overturned is a huge threat to Satan's dark kingdom. Yeah. This is what Satan wants. Satan is the one who hates God and the image of God in mankind. He's the one who wants the destruction of these little babies. That's right. God does not want this. No, Jesus Christ did not make, God didn't make abortion. God didn't make sin. God didn't make death. God made life and children are life and children are always and only and everywhere a blessing from God. They're an image and likeness of God. And so Satan is upset that his kingdom is being destroyed. But remember, overturning Roe versus Wade is not is we have to restore the culture of life. That's right. That's the first it's step. The whole culture of death, everything that contributes to the culture of death, and there's more than just contraceptive and abortion. The whole pleasure culture, that culture that says, I am living for myself and my own pleasure, because that degrades the human person and degrades the image of God in us. And it makes us less than what we were created to be, because we're created to be images and likeness of God. Amen. And Mary, what you just said, images and likeness of God. This is, brings me up to what I shared with you last night 
from the Sisters of Life newsletter. And I thought it was so beautiful because it goes back 43 years ago mm. to St. John Paul II uh, when he was in Poland in 1979 mm. at the Mass of Pentecost Sunday, yeah. like we just had the last yeah. week. Amen. Before a crowd of 270,000 people. Here's what happened, folks. And this is what we're chanting. We want God. We want God. The chant thundered towards heaven as the Polish people responded from the depths of their hearts to the white-haired priest who stood before them. Though, ne- though nearly denied a visit to his native land, Pope John Paul II would not allow the evil of communism to have the final say. As he celebrated Mass on the Vigil of Pentecost in 79 before 270,000 people at Victory Square, Warsaw, he reminded his people, and this is what we need to be reminded of, all humanity, that man is incapable of understanding himself fully without Christ. Without Christ. He cannot understand who he is nor what his true dignity that my wife was just talking about, the dignity, nor what his vocation is. Wow. Nor what his final end is. Amen. He cannot understand any of this without Jesus Christ. Therefore, Christ cannot be kept out of the history of man in any part of the globe. The exclusion of Christ from the history of man, it's an act against man. Well said. Yeah. And the history of each person unfolds into Jesus Christ. In him becomes the history of salvation. I find that beautiful. I'm just going to read a little bit more than give me your comments, Mary. The human heart wants God. That's what the saint is saying. I agree. <laughs> we consciously are not seeking him. In, we, we consciously or not seek him in everything. Amen. The secular world is seeking God, everyone. Yes. In our own fashions, our food, our relationships, even in our sins. As Bruce Marshall once wrote, a young man who rings the bell of a brothel is unconsciously looking for God. But in a culture that seems to have the answer for everything, like ours, we can easily become victims of the loudest voices and the most compelling propositions of who others say God is. We can be tempted to reduce God to our own experiences and projections. Mary, I'll turn it over to you. Amen. And we have to be so careful. We live in a world that's very noisy and very loud. You know, and <laughs> turn off the radio, turn off the music, turn off the internet, turn off and, and pull out your Bible and start listening to God. God is speaking to us in his word. He speaks to us. You know, prayer is supposed to be, a, it's a loving conversation with someone who loves us. So if you, you, know, you, you think you're called to be a saint, you know you're called to be a saint, we're all called to be saints, well then listen to God. You need to stop and enter into conversation with him. And as St. Teresa of Avila said, tell him about your joys. You know, oftentimes when we get a joyful celebration, we get so wrapped up in the joyful celebration that we actually start doing things that are degrading to the human person and we lose sight of the fact that we should be thanking God for this joy. Mm. This joy comes from God and he wants us, God wants us to have a joyful life he is our greatest joy. And we were made by God. We were made for God. So we modern man has forgotten where he's coming from. He doesn't know why he's here and he doesn't know where he's going. <laughs> so yeah. we, we need God. We need God and we need to bring him back to the center of our lives. He needs to be our focus. And we can't understand ourselves, as St. John Paul II said. We do not understand ourselves without Jesus Christ. And I think it's so beautiful when the Pope says, 
God wants your heart. He wants your heart. Isn't that beautiful? He's the second person of the Blessed Trinity. The eternal word through whom everything was made choose to enter into time and space into the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary because he wants you. Amen. But we have to realize that that's powerful. God wants us. Jesus is not a neutral party, folks. No, he's not. He's madly in love with you, as my wife always says. <laughs> and his love demands a response. He would, have had, he would have us either worship him or despise him, despise him as a mere man or worship him as true God and true man. Here's what Bishop Sheen had to say in this article. He says, The divine person with two natures, divine and human, is an actual scandal to many modern yeah. religions who cannot imagine God making himself vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But what does the incarnation show, folks? Not that God is weak, but he is so much greater and so much closer than we would ever imagine. His love is larger, his mercy is bigger, his kindness is more. Jesus turns history upside down by coming himself to seek and to save the lost. In him, God has a name and a face for you. When we come back, we're going to shift gears even more, and we're going to talk about America's deadly weekend and mass force shootings. Mass shootings. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. <laughs> Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I wanted to quote two people. Mother Teresa of Calcutta said, A nation that kills its children is a nation that lost its soul. Awesome. Powerful, powerful. And I'm ringing this up because last weekend, again, 50 people. Mass shootings going all over the country. Well, Father John Harden told a priest friend of mine who was visiting this week to him face that the same thing, that this is only natural that when you kill unborn babies and have no life for the, or no, no value of life in the womb, you won't have value for life outside the womb and violence will take place. And there's one more quote, Mary Danielle, that I want to quote Bishop Strickland, quoted an Archbishop Gustavo, because this is really coming down to the Congress wanting to limit guns uh, for um, for this whole problem. America's deadly weekend, right? They want the stakes are high for the Senate for gun talks. I would say they're high for life talks. But here's what Archbishop <laughs> Gustavo said: Guns are sacred. Lives in the wound are sacred. And what about lives of nine and ten year olds and many others? Catholics and people of goodwill believe that every life from conception to natural death and all in between are sacred. Amen. Why, why leaders haven't stopped the carnage? So here we are talking about, we got to stop the gun violence carnage. What about all the violence being done in the womb? So Mary, we've been watching this for several weeks now, all these people being shot and um, you know, young people who are mixed up in their, their mentally um, in bad situations. Many, most of them didn't have a father at home. They're on some medication. But my question to you, Mary, is would you agree, and it may, give me your take, that this violence is only natural because our culture is very violent when you can kill the innocent baby in your womb? Why not, you know, like Jesse said as a policeman, the, he arrests somebody for doing a, a crime like a murder, and the guy says, in jail, hey, man, you guys, you know, we kill them outside the womb, you kill them inside the womb. 
Right. And this is, people say, oh, well, this is a personal matter between a woman and her doctor. Well, excuse me, what about the baby? Yeah. And no, it's not a personal matter. No. Because you see, everything that we do affects the way we view ourselves and those around us. And if any person in this world becomes disposable because they're inconvenient to me, then I become the arbiter of justice, don't I? And I get to decide who lives and dies. Well, where, where do you think? It's, it's kind of funny because I, I we watched the end of the Gary Machuda show, and, and um, his guest today was talking about, you know, at the time of the Reformation, and Martin Luther came up with this idea that every man could read the scriptures and come up with his own interpretation of scriptures. But then when everybody started doing this, Martin Luther was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't mean that literally. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't supposed to all come up with your own idea about scriptures. You were all supposed to come to the idea that I had. Well, wait a minute, Martin Luther. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the same is true about, you know, y- your personal beliefs. Well, you know, your personal beliefs do have, they affect everyone around you. They affect you and they affect everyone around you and they affect society. And right now life is cheap and it's not just abortion. Abortion is a, sim- is a symptom. It's a symptom of that pleasure culture where I'm living for myself and my own pleasure. Contraceptives are the root cause of the abortion. As a matter of fact, what's interesting about the abortion industry, you know, before they tried to push and get Roe versus Wade through the Supreme Court. They had another Supreme Court case five years earlier called Griswold versus Connecticut. That's right. And it had nothing to do with directly killing babies in the womb. It was actually about limiting states' rights to outlaw the sale of contraceptives in their states. Can you imagine? So even the culture of death... The Planned Parenthood, the people who were going to promote abortion, realized that before they could promote abortion, they had to get a lot of people using contraceptives in their marriage because contraceptives are not contraceptive necessarily, and they don't always work. And what happens is, well, then you teach people that children are a burden, that you should avoid that burden. They're only going to make you unhappy. And then people get pregnant, and they're like, well, wait a minute. I don't want this burden. And it's like, well, what happened? Didn't you use your contraceptive? Sure I did. It failed. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yep. well, then what do you do? We, we have a solution for you. Five years after Griswold versus Connecticut, they pushed for Roe versus Wade. Yep. So, it, yeah, and, and then that, that it perpetuates the violence and it breeds the violence. Yep. And, you know, whether you like it or not, if, if you have a family and you have two children and you have either contraceptive or aborted your other babies out of existence, those two children in that family are suffering. From that, mm-hmm. there's a lot of psychological things that we can't, you know, go into all the details here. But, but the effects, the very attitude that children are a burden, is a real problem. Yep, yep. And it, and it leads to violence. And it, by the way, people who've had abortions and and people who use contraception in their marriage, oftentimes, especially people who've had abortions, women have had, they become abusive to the children that they have. It's true. Well said. I'm going to shift gears right now, folks. Um, we're talking about. Three things here when it comes to COVID-19. Uh, now we're having more data coming out uh, on COVID-19. And there's a little picture of a little boy with his teddy bear, and both of them are masked. The, the, the little boy and the teddy bear. And suicidal thoughts almost doubled during Canada's COVID lockdown. Uh, the situation is is that um, many of these kids were, were just uh, devastated by the lockdown, it affected them for life. And what I find really interesting, Mary Danielle, is only one country, Sweden, kept its schools open. Mm. And Sweden followed the actual science yeah. uh, with this COVID yeah. and kept it open. 
and no one in the media or public health establishment was willing to discuss that Sweden's results were no worse than any other country across the globe. Exactly. So significantly better than many in many ways because Sweden, the country uh, that uh, uh, had the lo- had some of the lowest um, w- lowest results of COVID yeah. on the earth, kept their schools open, society functioning as much as possible, yeah. and again had the lowest rates of overall mortality of any country in the region. Mary, that that needs to get out, but it's a very embarrassing. It's one of those inconvenient truths that we don't want to talk about. (laughs) That they got it right and we were wrong in our country and other countries. And it's sad because so many people uh, lost their lives, their livelihood over that. We call it uh, COVID. We call it collateral damage. Mary, you've been mentioning the VAERS data release periodically over these last two years. Um, 1.2, well, about 1.3 million injuries were reported after COVID shots and vaccines injury compensation programs were overwhelmed. And in this one, as of May, or uh, yeah, May of this year, we have 28,532 deaths. And what's interesting, Mary, in this is that that represents about 1% of the people. You know that. Yeah. And here's an interesting Quote, from December 14, 2020 to May 27, 2022, 20% of the deaths were related to cardiac disorders. Wow. So, so it affected the men mostly. 50%, 54% of those who died were male, 41% female, and they didn't mark it on the others. The average age of a death of somebody from these shots, 73 years old. And I can give you all these statistics, but Mary, the bottom line is the the vaccine, I mean, I, I buried people out of our chapel here who were as young as five years old that got vaccinated and died. Right, as a result of the vaccine. As a result of the vaccination. Yeah. So it just seems to me that uh, this was really, uh, you know, disinformation during these two years, and now the truth's going to come out that what we did was so wrong, and so many people lost their lives and their livelihood and are still being affected poorly. Your take on that? Yes, and I, th- I think that the, the results show this, and that's the, if you watch the VARES reporting website, and again, remembering that only about, only approximately 1% that's of right. adverse effects are affected, and now Pfizer has come out to admit that 82% mm-hmm. yep. of pregnant women that's who right. received the shot lost the baby. Uh, they were can carrying. you repeat that? I did that earlier in the week. 82% yes. of the women who received, the uh, pregnant women who oh received the shot, and this is from Pfizer, they, they lost their baby. And, and, you know, women were told, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine for you. It's not going to be a problem, whatever. And yet 82, 82 out of 100, honey, 82 out of 100 women lost their baby. And that wasn't just from nature. <laughs> okay, that's, this is, when men, you know, the the vaccines vaccines first of all you know it, are they really necessary and you don't it, it, remember one doctor at the beginning of this said no you don't vaccinate during the midst of a pandemic that's the worst thing you can do because you will immediately cause uh, the, the 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 virus yeah. 
to de- become defensive and 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 um, morph. It's going to morph. It's going to change. So you don't you wait till the pandemic is over if there really is a pandemic. But you know the number of deaths that they had predicted weren't happening, and so they started what they started focusing on because the number of deaths weren't occurring that they had expected. They started focusing on the number of cases every day. And this is the only case in history where you took a, a flu that came up, a seasonal flu, and everybody was testing all the time about whether or not they had it. Well, do you think the number of cases is going to look like it's a lot of higher? Of course, of course. <laughs> and, and, you know, Mary, just to double up, Dr. Robert Malone came out <clears throat> really with this, this now research of masks seem to make COVID worse. And what he was pointing out in the article, this is in LifeSite News, uh, it's, uh, he wrote a, a book called Stop Masking Children. They Need to Interact with the Microbiome World. In other words, the kid's immune system will go down if it's, if it's not having to put up um, and, and fight different germs. So if you put him in a room where he's not going to a lockdown like and put kids at, you're going to have all kinds of risk of allergies, asthma, all kinds of problems because the doctor said that kids' immune systems take years to get to about six yeah. years of age was when they start occurring to, to build their immune system in a strong way. And if we're, if we're not giving them the opportunity, I mean, it's like, let your kids play in the dirt. I'm sorry that we did that for our kids. I did it as a child. My wife did it. What's happening is we're trying to not uh, uh, acknowledge that God, in my opinion, has put into the human body certain things to protect it in life. And what we're trying to do is artificially take that away. Yeah. Mary, when we come back, this is an interesting topic. I've got in my right hand a plain salt that's been blessed. Let's talk about how do we use less salt and much, much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Don't forget the men's conference. I forgot to promote it. It's on the 18th of June coming up. Terry, Jesse, and Ruben. Go to vmpr.org and check us out. We'll be right back. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jesse will be back tomorrow. My faithful bride, Mary Danielle, is sitting in for Jess. She is the uh, produces a show for Virgin Most Powerful called The Bibles with the Barbers on Fridays after the Terry and Jesse Show. I forgot to mention my good friend, Father Charles Murr, his book, Murder in the 33rd Degree, I finally got a case of these books. Mr. Engineer will put it up on the screen. And uh, you can now get them on our website, vmpr.org, or call us at 877-526-2151. And just to let everybody know, Father Murr will be coming on once a month from Spain here at Virgin Most Powerful to talk about us, our love for our faith. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to give everybody that opportunity to get his book. Murder in the 33rd Degree. Mary Danielle, this is a a good topic at the end of the show. The Catholic understanding of of what uh, blessed salt is all about. And so um, we want to talk about salts associated with hospitality, good humor, welcome, love neighbor, all these things the devil hates, okay? Now, there are several biblical passages, Mary, that show this understanding in the book of Kings, chapter 2, verse 19, Elijah used salt to purify the waters of the well. Right. 
Uh, Ezekiel in chapter 16, verse 4, mentions the use of salt on the skin to prevent infection. And Jesus preached about salt by describing his elect as the salt of the earth in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It's what we were talking about today, weren't we? How appropriate we're bringing it up again. And in Mark 9, 50, Jesus reminded us that salt is good, but if the salt becomes bland, with what will you season it? May salt not be lacking among you. So therefore, blessed salt is one of the sacramentals that the Catholic Church can use for protection and healing. And I just want to remind, and I'll turn it to you, Mary, let us remember that sacramentals are sacred signs that dispose people to receive grace. This is very important. So its effectiveness depends on our faith, devotion of the person who uses it, although its power is not decreased to zero by the person's faith or disbelief. The power is proportionate to such Christian attributes. So Mary, here's my... um, There's a lot of ideas about sprinkling doors, entrances. They have a lot of ideas. Give us your experience and also uh, what your uh, thoughts are about blessed salt because we've been using blessed salt for 30-some years in our marriage. Well, you know, holy water is something that I grew up using in our home. We always, of course, every time we go to church, and holy water is supposed to remind us of our baptism, and it's supposed to, we're supposed to ask, you know, God to wash away our sins, and it it erases venial sins if we ask the Lord to do that. And then um, the holy water, they use, uh, when they bless it, they do put salt in the water. (laughs) At least in the old ritual, they put salt in the water. And um, as an adult, I was introduced to blessed salt, and I remember reading in Teresa of Avila about... You know, she she was called to this great mission by our Lord to reform the cloistered women's Carmelite order. Right. And so the devil would sometimes, you know, get at her because he didn't want her to do this. And she would um, she you know, she made the sign of the cross. She said, while I was making the sign of the cross, he had to go away. But if I didn't if I didn't continuously do it, Mm -hmm. he'd come back. But if I found that I sprinkled holy water, that as long as the holy water was there and, and wet still, he couldn't come. And I, I remember, you know, when I found out about blessed salt, I said, well, gee, salt doesn't evaporate like holy water does. So it's, it's a sacramental of the church. We can, um, it's blessed. We can use it as a sacramental of the church, and we can sprinkle it around for protection to ask the Lord to drive the, the power of the enemy away through the merits of our Lord and Savior Jesus Amen. Christ. But nonetheless, God uses these physical things, you know, water in baptism, oil. You know, the, you, the king was anointed with oil. That um, Jesus touched their hands. He made mud that he put on people's eyes. You know, he used his spittle. He uses physical realities and through which he works. That's right. And so the salt is this physical reality that's blessed. And we can sprinkle the salt around our homes. We can ask the Lord to protect our homes from the, um, the evil one. And this is, it's a real reality. I'm not thinking the devil is under every rock. No, I just, I just know that he's, he's a spirit. And, yes. and he's, he doesn't have the limitations that I have with the body. Right. So he can be anywhere. And, and the scripture tells us that, that your opponent, the devil, is prowling about like a roaring lion yes. looking for someone to devour. <laughs> well, you know, the Archdiocese of Manila in the Philippines, their exorcism office shared this simple prayer to recite when using blessed salt in the home. The head of the family, the father, will exercise this spiritual authority over the property by using this blessed salt. Here's what a father can say. I seal this room, home, or whatever in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Christ. our Savior. He make the sign of the cross, 
Father, name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And that's a simple prayer. And we can do that with holy water, salt, holy salt. And I like, I like the um, the idea that you use it as a combination with holy water and salt. I don't know. We'll mention this, Mary, but at the Opus Angelorum retreats, every retreat we've ever been on, at the end of the retreat, uh, people are asked to bring their holy water and their salt. And uh, fathers, uh, whoever's doing the retreat will bless that salt and people bring it home to their homes for that year. So I just think it's a a great idea and I think more people need to um, take advantage of the sacramentals. I think whether it's a miraculous medal or scapular, these all the sacramentals, as I said at the beginning, are really important to help us get closer to God. Mary, there was one more thing that I thought was kind of an interesting comment. Uh, the ancient word word for salt was a valuable substance. Roman soldiers were often paid in salt and uh, salary. S a l a r y salary. Salary. Word, so we get salary. the word salary like you get paid. Did you know it comes from salt? It comes from Saul. The, Saul. the S-A-L yeah. was the Latin word for salt. Yeah. And yeah, the, the salt, the Saul is what the Romans were paid. And so our word salary comes from that fact. That the, Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it was a way of paying people. And, and again, like any sacramental, these are not superstition. No. And you cannot just, um, um, <laughs> you know, I remember once when I was in college, I was giving out brown scapulars and, and this, this one guy said something to me about, oh, it's like a good luck charm and I can just put it on and nothing bad will ever happen to me. And I'm like, no, it's not. If you put this scapular on, it's a way of saying, I am going to live my life in union with God and I'm going to try and keep his commandments. Yep. Don't mock God. You're yep. not mocking God. And it's not, it's not superstition. No. This is not, you know, we're, that's not what it's about. We're about the Lord. The Lord is the Lord of our life. Jesus Christ is Lord. And we claim him as Lord and we claim him as Lord of our homes. Heart of Jesus, King and center of all hearts, Rule thou supreme in our home and in every home. Thine we are, O Lord, thine we will be. But make it real. Make it real in our life. Well said. I wanted to make uh, a quote from Mother Teresa again. We gave one earlier today. And this isn't a sacramental. This is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, the Holy Eucharist. And think about this. If Jesus had not established the Eucharist, this is Mother Teresa. She said, if Jesus had not established the Eucharist, we would have forgotten the crucifixion. Wow. It would have faded into the past and we would have forgotten that Jesus loves us. This is a saying that to be far away from the eyes is to be far away from the heart. Mm. So to make sure that we do not forget, Jesus gave us the Eucharist as a memorial of his love. When you look at the crucifix, you understand how much Jesus loved you. Then, when you look at the sacred host, you understand how much Jesus loves you now. And I want to bring the book by Bishop Athanasius Snyder, The Catholic Mass. We've been promoting hundreds of copies of that now. It's the greatest book I've ever read on the Mass. We still have it here at the website, vmpr.org, or call us at 877-526-2151. A good book on the Mass is essential for every Catholic home. Yes, yeah. Because it's the source and summit of the Christian life, as Vatican II says. Right, because it's Christ himself. Jesus Christ is present in the Eucharist. Exactly. Mary Danielle, I want to give a plug to your Bible with the Barbers. We do together on Fridays. Tell our listeners that are on the radio here 
why the, what benefits will they get by going to listen to that show on Fridays at VMPR? You get to study the Bible. Man, what a great <laughs> idea. This is the word of God. This is God's holy word. God speaks to us through his word. And he wants us to fall in love with him. He wants us to know him and follow. How can we know him if we don't read his book, if we don't read his story? Right. You know, and he gives it to us. He gives it to us and we read it and we come to know him. We come to understand more fully the meaning. And, and not only that, it's just... How does it apply to my life? Mm -hmm. And that's it. You know, we have to understand that the scriptures aren't some ancient book that that will, oh that all happened in the past, whatever. No, this is this is God speaking to us in the present moment. And yes, He speaks to us through past events, but those past events speak to what our life is about. Yep. And so we want to study the scriptures so we can fall more deeply in love with God every day. This is His Word. Amen. He's speaking to us. Well said, and that come, that show comes on Fridays after the Terry and Jesse show. One more little plug I want to give, and that is to all of our monthly donors. We're going to have a, a dinner for you here in Southern California on, um, on June 17th, which is a Friday, 6 p.m. We're going to feed you because we want to feed you not just spiritually, but we're going to feed you with this food on earth, a good Mexican meal here at our chapel. And I want to just say, if you want to become a monthly donor, $25 or more, we give you hundreds of dollars worth of downloads from St. Joseph Communications, which I started way back in the 70s. I'd been recording Scott Hahn, Tim Staples, Jeff Cavins, um, Dr. Michael Barber, Brant Petrie, all these guys over the decades. It's at your fingertips because you're a monthly donor. We send them to you. To sign up, just go to vmpr.org. And you can sign up that way. Or you could even call us at 877-526-2151. It's as easy as that. And also, I want to make one more plug for Bishop Joseph Strickland. He is the most outspoken bishop in the country. And here at VMPR, for almost two years, we've had him on our radio shows, the Bishop Strickland Hour, on Tuesdays after the Terry and Jesse show. Here is a bishop who speaks very clearly about the what he calls the deposit of faith. Amen, the sacred deposit of faith. So join us. He's, I'm going to have him on in about two minutes. If you can't get it on your station, just go to vmpr.org, download our app, because you need to hear this bishop. It'll inspire you to have so much more excitement about what our Catholic faith's about when you hear a bishop speak so clearly on his faith. Mary Danielle, if you were Jesse, which you're not, <laughs> I would ask Jesse, Jesse, what state should we be living in, Mary? The state of grace. And don't and how do we do that, Mary? <laughs> we do that by living. through prayer. Yes. Go to mass, go to confession, yes. go say your prayer every pray every day. Amen. Live in the presence of God. Amen. And stay close to God. And remember stay our lady. Remember our lady, lady of Fatima said this. Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. We can do that, right? All of us can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ. What a gift that is. Again, stay with us now. Bishop Strickland will be on for the Bishop Strickland Hour here on vmpr.org. That's Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God richly bless you and your family.